The sun was setting yellow and orange and then purple in the west, and only in that final hue were the rows of hills visible, one after another, extending far into the haze and then further beyond that, further than could be seen. The Albert Ice House had reached capacity an hour earlier. Parents sat outside, talking, while children and dogs ran in circles around the towering live oaks. Men drank whiskey inside, round after round, and talked loudly. The colonel wanted a drunk crowd, so he let them prime themselves for hours before he arrived. No weapons were allowed except for the ones carried by his men. They stood under trees on the perimeter of the property and down by the creek. The colonel arrived on horseback with Zeke and Mr. Stone. He dismounted and handed the reins of his gray Arabian to a waiting soldier. He shook hands with members of the crowd, who were nervous to be in his presence, none more so than the mothers when he insisted he hold their babies. In different words and in different ways, he told them he was their benevolent protector and that while life was hard in the hill country, it was much, much harder elsewhere, in the wilds of West Texas or the deserts to the south or the wretched encampments outside of the disease-ridden cities to the east. To live in one of those environments was to be on your own, a violent life leading to a violent end. But hope and prosperity lived in the hill country, he told them, because he protected it and them. The sheriff was a good man, he told them, but he'd made mistakes and he needed help. And the colonel was there to do that. Have another drink, he told them, before turning and walking toward the ice house and up the steps through a parting sea of men, all of whom nodded, but pushed backward so as not to be in his path. Charlie held up the bottle of the best whiskey, which he had been gripping below the bar, and the colonel waved him off with a smile. He walked in the back and sat silently at a table with four seats, one of them empty. The drunken bluster of the men tamed when the colonel walked in, and then fell almost silent as the sheriff did. The colonel cut through the awkwardness. Turned out nice, didn't it? He yelled to Charlie. Yes, sir! The colonel took a deep, overstated breath so even the men in the far part of the room could partake in his theater. Smell the difference between the fresh-cut pine and the cedar? Yes, sir, Charlie replied. Fresh-cut pine smells like a woman. Cedar smells like kerosene. The colonel paused, which none of us have smelled for a while, so I'd say. He pointed at an old man collapsed in the corner. Smells like a drunkard's breath. The colonel smiled, and the room approved in laughter. He turned to address the sheriff, who stood before him. Didn't know if you'd show. You knew I would, the sheriff said. He turned to pull his chair out. The colt was worn on his hip. Whoa, sheriff. The colonel put his hands up in the air, as if he were being arrested. No firearms tonight. What about that army outside? They're protecting us. Us? The sheriff asked as he pulled the colt from its holster and emptied the rounds into his hand. The colonel nodded toward Charlie, who hurried over. The sheriff handed the colt to his brother-in-law, who laid it on a shelf beneath the bar next to the best whiskey. Thank you kindly, sheriff. 
the colonel said, nodding toward the empty holster. And thank you for taking that seat, which was not initially meant for you. Hold him, the sheriff asked. No limit, the colonel answered, his grin pulling up the corner of his mouth with a twist. The noise of the room had returned, so the crowd could hear the conversation at the table. The colonel spoke first. Since we got a dead man sitting here, I figure there's no use in playing for money. What are you going to do with it? The colonel leaned across the table until his chin hung in the middle of it. He looked at the sheriff, and the impish grin gave way to an emerging, then broad smile. We're playing for time. The announcement led Zeke to laugh and signal his approval by slapping the table. The sheriff did not respond to the smile or the offer of winning back time. He regarded both as a charade. Smile, Sheriff. I'm giving you a chance to extend your existence. To walk out of here tonight instead of being dragged by your feet with your head bumping and staining the new floor. The sheriff's eyes burned. You've got even odds to win in this game. All you gotta do is play what you've been dealt. A pile of 120 chips sat stacked in front of each man. One a month, the colonel said as he shuffled the cards. You got 10 years to lose, 40 to win, and blind is one season. He nodded to the sheriff, who threw in three chips. The colonel dealt the hole, one at a time clockwise, and the sheriff waited to see their expressions before he looked at his own cards. Eight and nine of spades, a good start. The other men eyed their cards and checked in succession, making it the sheriff's turn. Raise the pot, he said. That's a lot of time, the colonel said. Is that spring or fall, sheriff? Zeke asked, and then laughed alone. Play your cards, the sheriff responded roughly. Zeke and then Mr. Stone, and then the colonel in succession, threw three chips each into the pot, bringing it to one year and three months. The colonel dealt the flop and laid down the six of diamonds seven of spades, and ten of hearts. The sheriff didn't betray the straight he was holding because he knew he needed to draw them in. Without looking at his cards, he checked. I got nothing, Zeke said and dropped his cards. Mr. Stone took longer to consider, then did the same. It was the colonel's turn, and he was going to take his time. The crowd was getting louder. You think there's more? but you can't prove it. Of course there's more, the sheriff replied. Not if I put a bullet in your brain. That what you're going to do? That's what your wife, your deputy, and maybe one little girl thinks. The colonel turned and looked at the deputy and the sheriff's wife as they pretended to socialize in the crowd. He nodded and pantomimed a gun to his head and then turned back to the sheriff. I'm not letting you check out of this, he said as he turned back to the game. I bet the pot and raise one year in a season. And, he continued, I'll tell you what I'm going to do with that time when I take it off the table. I'm going to enjoy it. Women, wine, smoke, and whatever else reminds me I'm alive. The sheriff only needed to look like he was thinking. 
He waited before responding to the raise. Call. The colonel's smile grew larger. The sheriff pushed 15 months into the pot. Somebody came to play, the colonel exclaimed. The colonel dealt the turn card, the two of clubs. The sheriff looked at the two of clubs and then at his hand. Check. None of these other folks know you burned this place down. The sheriff ignored him. Can you imagine what they would feel if they did? Their trusted sheriff? Play your cards. And my time. The colonel sang under his breath. And my time. He sang to the ceiling. I'll bet the pot again. With his grandest smile yet, the colonel pushed 45 months of a man's life into the pot. The sheriff took a look at his cards and then at his remaining chips. Call. He counted and then pushed 45 months of his life into the center of the table. Humming loudly, the colonel dealt the final card, the ace of spades. The sheriff checked and the colonel's smile retreated. Just a little. It was a small change, but he knew he'd showed it. He could see it in the sheriff's eyes. Anger began to warm in his belly, and moving carefully into a situation that he didn't like, the colonel raised one year. Call. The sheriff pushed 12 months into the pot before laying down his whole cards to show his straight. God damn you, the colonel snarled, hunched over the chips, daring the sheriff to take them. God damn you fucking coward. The crowd quieted, cowing to his anger. He smiled broadly and waved them back to their drinking. He pushed the chips across the table, spilling into the sheriff's lap. You just added some 13 years to your life, he said. But that's all temporary. I'll win every one of them back. Peering through the bottom of the hinged barn window, Caroline could see the sheriff's back and the colonel's smile as he pushed the chips across the table. She was on the back side of the ice house, where there was no side porch. She had hidden there earlier in the day, behind the pile of cut wood that was curing, and remained motionless whenever someone came to urinate near the wood pile or the colonel's men walked their rounds. It was dark, and they were all drunk, and she was confident she would not be discovered. She kept her eyes level with the sill. She had propped the window up with a broken pencil the carpenters had left behind. She could smell beer and whiskey on the warm air that escaped through the small opening, and it stung her eyes, but she kept trained on the sheriff and his cards. The sheriff had been on a run, but the colonel was intent on reining him in, while also taking generously from the other two men. The sheriff couldn't tell if Zeke and Mr. Stone were playing to lose. It didn't matter. All that mattered was how he played his cards and the man across from him. Each of them had 18 years in their pile, while Zeke and Mr. Stone were down to just under and over two years, respectively. The colonel smiled before he spoke. You know, before she put that hole in her head, Caroline, I think that was her name, she used to come to see me quite a bit. The wind carried the whiskey on his breath across the room and out the window. She loved to get high. The sheriff ignored the taunting, 
but Caroline couldn't. She clenched her fist around the worn pencil. Her man knew what she was up to, but he couldn't keep her from it. Play your cards. That mama loved me. The pencil snapped and the window slid, but Caroline caught it in her hand. No one inside the ice house noticed. I gotta piss, Zeke announced. After checking the colonel's reaction, Mr. Stone agreed. Take him with you, the colonel said, seeing that one of his men was wanting to talk to him. The sheriff noticed this also, and as he was walking through the crowd, turned to see the man leaning over the table, telling the colonel something. Piss breaks this way, Zeke said, shoving the sheriff through the crowd and toward the front door. Stone followed. Outside, they walked over to the live oaks under which the families had picnicked and the children had played. Zeke spoke first. What if we let you run? Why the hell would you do that? Gives us something to do. My family would be left to clean up the mess. Then maybe, Mr. Stone said slowly, maybe we can help you with the cards. Help me cheat him? Maybe, Zeke replied, and then looked at Mr. Stone for permission to speak. Stone nodded. Colonel's getting crazier. After what he did to old Jack, we don't know where this is headed. We think it'd be good if he got put on his heels a little. I'm winning, the sheriff said. You don't cheat when you're winning. Zeke smiled at Stone. Is that so? It was the sheriff's turn to deal. Mr. Stone put up the blind of one season, and the sheriff dealt the whole cards. He looked at his own, and although he didn't show it, he was pleased. Ace and nine of clubs. Each man checked, and when play came back to the sheriff, he raised a year. All called, and the flop came. Eight of clubs, nine of spades, and ace of spades. Zeke folded. I'm out. And then Stone. Me too. I see your year and raise you one year, the colonel told the sheriff. And I got a lesson for you, school teacher. See your year and raise you five. Pleasure and pain are the only things that have real meaning. Collar fold. The colonel nodded, said, call, and pushed five years into the pot. I've tortured what men thought was their meaning, their allegiance, their will to live right out of them. They thought just like you. But pain and the promise of the pain leaving always trumped meaning. The sheriff dealt the turn, nine of hearts. He was holding the full house, nines and aces. Both men checked. Then they never had it. So certain. You ever read a book? The sheriff asked. He was holding a full house in his hand and half his lifetime on the table. He was poking the colonel, trying to get him aggressive. The river came, three of spades. The sheriff prodded. Nietzsche? The colonel replied plainly. You'd be surprised. Then you know, the sheriff leaned in, that a man with a why can endure anyhow. Let's test that thought. I raise you ten years. The sheriff pushed. That it? The colonel ignored his question. What do you say, Sheriff? I say I match those ten and go all in. Raise seven years. Call. 
The colonel smiled honestly and flipped his fingers and showed the two aces for everyone to see. He dropped them on the table and stood. Okay, everyone, he bellowed. Thank you for coming. I sure hope you had a good time. Time to leave. We're going to settle up now. The colonel's men relieved every one of their drinks and moved them out the front door and to their horses and wagons. The deputy protested and was knocked down and dragged to his horse, his sidearm thrown in the bushes and told to find it tomorrow. Faith couldn't find Caroline, and she called to the deputy, but when they drew their weapons, the deputy assured her that Caroline had likely gone home. Dirt swirled in the air from the wagon, wheels and hooves, and Faith screamed Caroline's name, and the sheriff heard her. Put a bullet in me and let my family go. The colonel motioned to the men by the door. Get the pretty wife out of here. He'll explain it later. The sheriff moved toward the door. Before he covered a full stride, he was struck from behind and hit the floor hard. You should have made better decisions, the colonel said as he stood over him. The sheriff struggled to his hands and knees. You are going to kill me either way, he said. Maybe, maybe not. You brought this conflict to me, and I'm simply finding the best in it. And what's wrong with that? Finding the beauty in this world. Your sick pleasure, not beauty. What's the difference? Meaning. The colonel shot his hands into the air and spun around on the heels of his boots. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. You think there's a meaning, but you can't prove it. The sheriff could hear Faith yelling outside. He dragged himself toward her, and the colonel walked beside him, kicking him in his side again and again. I'm going to prove to you there ain't no meaning, and you got to be alive for that. The colonel put his boot on the sheriff's back and pressed his heel hard into his spine. The sheriff's face pressed to the pine boards of the floor. He let 18 chips fall from his hand onto the sheriff's head, spilling on the floor around him. I'm not going to kill you, he said. I'm going to take your meaning. Faith had been pushed into a wagon, and she would be taken to their house and left there with the young boys who were being looked after. The colonel had two men pull the sheriff up from the floor and hold him at attention. I'm taking the one you saved. You can't. The sheriff tried to crawl, but the colonel pushed his boot down. I most certainly can. You killed my man. Law says you owe me. She'll do. No! The sheriff lurched, and the colonel removed his boot from his back. He made it to his feet only to be struck across the head again, causing him to stumble as if he were drunk. His tongue hung from his mouth. Have a drink. Have a smoke. The colonel blew smoke in the sheriff's face. Them 18 chips is a year and a half of life. Two of the colonel's men pulled the sheriff backward over the bar while a third poured whiskey in his mouth. He kicked wildly and spat it at them. Oh, the colonel said with a smile. And I'm not the one actually taking her. He nodded toward the door. They are. The colonel strode toward the door, and the men dragged the sheriff behind him. As they emerged into the night, the sheriff could see two chestnut bays. Caroline, the daughter and orphan who had become his young girl, was gagged and bound to the neck of one of the bays. 
To the right of the bays were two men, shirtless and wearing buckskin. They were bound too, and on their knees. Their muscles were beaten and bruised. Their eyes burned at the colonel. Cut him loose, he commanded. His men cut the ropes, and the Indians sprung to their feet. One smashed his head into the captor's nose, while the other swept his man's legs. Both ran, as the colonel had known they would, to the bays and mounted and launched them in a single move. The bay with Caroline on it moved a little clumsily, but they easily spun the bays in circles of dust and screamed threats at the colonel and his men. At the trees and the stars and at the ice house itself. This is quite a show, the colonel said, offering his cigar in a salute. They screamed and pointed at him in particular, and then screamed at his soldiers in general, and each kicked his bay into a gallop, heading north into the darkness. The hooves pounded the ground as the men kicked them, and with every lurch forward, Caroline's ribs collided with the bay's neck. listening to New West Hill Country. You can find more episodes, audiobooks, art, and social channels at newwestseries.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard, please leave a review and share this. New West Hill Country is independent, original storytelling, and we appreciate your supporting us by spreading the word.